Aliens Explored is a podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Hello listeners, a little bit of a change this week to our scheduled plan for discussion. Uh, we were originally going to be talking about the 1952 Washington DC UFO event. However, as you're going to hear in this episode, we got quite sidetracked talking about last week and the week before's discussion with Marcus Churchill all about Roswell, The Final Verdict, the documentary that Marcus starred in. So without further ado, have a listen to this week's episode. It's not as planned as I say, but it's thoroughly entertaining and interesting nonetheless. Enjoy. Hello listeners and welcome back to Aliens Explored, your weekly look at the mysterious skies and whatever mysterious artefacts those mysterious objects in the sky leave on the ground or in our lakes and seas and, and wherever. Um, and this week we're go- uh, I, I'm one of your <laughs> this week um, and every week I'm I'm one of your one of your hosts, Neil Kelly. And I'm your other host, Stu Jackson. Um, take three. <laughs> Steve, yeah. Steve, Steve's laughing because uh, <laughs> I made such a balls up of it. <laughs> I can't even be trusted to do the welcome. <laughs> welcome our Six, listeners to the show. 65 episodes in. 65 episodes. Yeah. Wow. That Who'd means that at least 32 of them you've done the welcome on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> It's a a phenomenon, though, isn't it? If you do something often enough, you kind of become... It's like like observing things. You get a blindness to it. You you become, well, laissez-faire, I suppose. It becomes more difficult the more you do a thing. That is a recognised phenomenon, isn't it? Is it? Um, And I I remember when I started riding a motorbike... Um, they said that there are two phases in your motorbiking life when you're most likely to have an accident. One is right at the beginning mm-hmm. when you're still learning. And uh, the second is um, a bit later on. You know, you'll go through a, a, a safe phase and then you'll get to a stage where you start taking more and more risks and you become you become risky again. And I guess oh. it's I guess it's a bit like that with with introducing introducing the, uh, <laughs> without without <laughs> the without the, the without the risk of physical harm, um, but uh, doing introductions and introducing. Um, I've, see how I've I've managed to um, merge the fuse those those two words <laughs> <laughs> atomically. Um, yeah, that uh, yeah without the risk of physical harm, but they still bugger it up. I, like I, it. I, I don't know that I've actually gone through a safe phase though yet. I like introducting. I think you know. Introducting. Yes. I'm going to put that on my CV. I'm a professional introductionator. That will get that will get interest. <laughs> people people like a new word. <laughs> but yeah, the whole motorbike thing. Um, the highest catch uh, certainly in the UK. I imagine it's going to be the mm. same for elsewhere in the world. Um, yeah, the highest insurance cost is for men in their forties. 
Because mm. you're absolutely right. Like as teenagers, we'd get our motorbikes in our early twenties, and then we'd like you know, not me, but you know, people would get married, have kids, change the motorbike for a car. Then the kids would leave home. Maybe mm. I'll get on a motorbike again. Well, of course, the roads are totally different now. The bikes are completely different to what they were 30 years ago. But in a way that's usually better and safer, uh, better brakes, better better road holding. But better. also much faster. Well, and there's, there's also that aspect, isn't there? When you start riding a motorbike on a provisional license, which in the UK um, allows you to ride a, a bike up to... When I started back in the 1970s, you could ride up to 250cc. Mm. But then Suzuki brought out their, was it their X3 or whatever? They, they brought out a, a 250 that was as light as a moped but could do 100 miles an hour in good conditions. Mm. So that's when the, the, the insurance or everyone who in authority got together and said, 250, a, a, a 100 mile an hour 250cc bike is far too much for someone who's only just got a provisional license, who's never taken any kind of test, never had any form of training to just get on and ride. So they reduced it to one, two, five cc. So I can imagine people get, they start up with a small bike, they learn to ride it, they take their test, and then they go and buy a, a 1200 cc superbike. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, the equivalent of a Formula One car in terms of performance. And, and you, you ever been on one of those? A high-performance superbike? Yeah. No, not even on the back of one. I've ridden, I think a 650 is the biggest I've ever ridden. Right. I'm I'm, I'm a cruiser rider through and through, mm. so I'm like, you know, you. I've, I've never been a fan of Harleys, but that kind of, that chopper-style mm. bike. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I had an 1100, but that was a Yamaha Virago, so, you know, it's all in the low end. It's not a high-fast, high-speed bike. Mm. Um but then I had to go on a Fireblade, which is, a, for listeners who know these things, that is a proper sports bike. I scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have never been on a sports bike since. <laughs> um, but I did for a while. I had a Suzuki Intruder, which is a 1300. Wow. Now, that's kind of a sports cruiser. I mean, they look absolutely beautiful if you if you Google Suzuki Intruder. Beautiful bike. Um, not right now, Neil, with the mm. podcast, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, for the listeners, yeah, yeah, Google that because they are amazing. Um, yeah, I was I was riding along the motorway on it just like quite comfortably. And I'm not one to speed on bikes at all. In fact, I'm more likely to hold up traffic, you know, doing 15 mm. or 60 limit. I'm a very sedate rider. But I'm like riding along on this bike, and I'm thinking, all this other traffic is going ever so slow. Look down at the clock, and I'm doing 180. <laughs> and I didn't even realize it. <gasps> that scared me as well. That That is uh, I sold scary. The bike not long after that. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, haven't had a bike since. I keep thinking yeah. about getting another one, though. That would be like really in the mood, but I'd probably go for another. Uh, Virago or something like that, I think. Would you? No, the last bike I had was a, a 125 scooter for commuting. And a very good commuter it was while it lasted. Sco- scooters aren't motorbikes. Well, it's a bike with a motor oh. on it. So, I, I know. <laughs> Contra- I know we're not going to get, we're going to get into our mods and rockers <laughs> thing here, aren't we? <laughs> That's, oh God, yeah, mods and rockers. 
My goodness. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. No, today. But, but before we get to this week's topic, I have I have something to say about the topic that we covered in the last two episodes, which was oh, about yes. uh, about the Roswell crash, the final verdict. Yeah, have you, you had a chance to watch it? You had a rant about it. Oh yeah, and I'm going to have to have a rant about it now because I'm triggered. And uh, I cannot, I cannot return to a state of grace until I've had my say about this. So I watched the first episode of Roswell, the, the yep. final verdict, and uh, it was it was lovely meeting with Marcus Marcus Churchill, who who played the part of Major Jesse Marcel in in um, who who was the the, the major who you know, was one of the first at, at the scene when when the crash was discovered. Um, I have no notes about his acting. He's a very nice bloke, very nice actor. My only note on that part is for wardrobe, um, get him a hat that fucking fits. Also, <laughs> yes. also it's too late now, but yeah. You know, yes, senior, it was hanging over one ear at one point. I yeah, or, or both ears. You know, senior military officers do not wear a do not wear a formal <laughs> dress cap that comes down over their ears. So that's my note for wardrobe. Um, now, um, Marcus mentioned this. Have you have you watched this thing? I've watched the first two episodes. Okay, I've only watched the first one, so you can perhaps pull me up. But in the first if, one, if I can, um, I will. Okay, um, <laughs> if, if, if I let you get a word in edgeways. Now, Marcus mentioned that um, they told him about this AI, this this artificial intelligence, which they had applied to these uh, video clips or these old film clips of people talking, um, which would measure their their micro-muscular movements on their faces. Yep, micro-expressions. Yeah, micro-expressions to determine where they're telling the truth. So they'll play this old bit of old bit of footage, and what would come up, what would be superimposed on their faces. It's a bit like if if you're watching CSI, you know, when they're doing a, when they're looking for a, a a fingerprint match, and the fingerprint comes up on the computer screen on, on the computer, and then all these dots appear and lines join it, so that, and then it does the the search based on those those measurements. So oh, yeah. something like that appears on on that's, the face that's for dramatic effects. That's not... for, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I've never seen a police computer searching for fingerprints, but but basically that's what comes up on this video screen on their faces to you know, superimpose on their faces while they're talking. So they they'll play the clip and um. And then the, the AI will go, ding, 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 true. And they say, oh, they're telling the truth. And I, let me just say, bollocks, bollocks. <laughs> you know, for, our, for our American listeners, bullshit, bullshit. You know, if, if I was giving you um, uh, a polygraph test, uh, let's call it what it is, a lie detector. or well, a poly- it's not. <laughs> it's not, but all right. But I, I'm giving you a polygraph test to determine whether you're telling the truth, even though this is in no way be called a lie detector test because it's not reliable enough to be called that but i would i would ask you a series of baseline questions wouldn't i questions that we both knew the answer to routine questions so that i could see on the on the graph that it draws what your normal reaction is to a question that, so that is I, how a polygraph test that's works, how a polygraph yes, that's because how it polygraph. measures different things to what this ai does Okay, it's measuring different things, but we're still establishing a baseline. So the mm-hmm. idea that you can take a 10-second film clip of, of not high quality, we're talking pre-digital, um, mm-hmm. with, with no baseline, so you've, you've never seen this guy speaking before, you don't know what his normal way of speaking is, and you can put this, you can measure the, the different points on his face, and the AO will go ding, 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 true, bullshit, you can't do that. 
You've never seen this guy before. How do you know what his face looks like any other time? Right. I'm, I'm, so, I'm going to pick up on a few points. So the graphic of the lines and the points on the face, yeah. that, that's what I was saying was for dramatic effect. Um, that's not... I, I suspect that's... Well, might be to a degree how the AI mm. works, but but that visual was for the audience. It wasn't for the the measuring of, of truth or anything like that. Well, that's what it purported to be, and that's what you know. If people are watching this with a bit of a cynical view, saying is this real, you know, or or are the people who believe that there was an, a, a UFO crash at Roswell just a bunch of nut jobs? Well, this this this, this video, this 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 thing does not help their case. Well, you say that, but it, it's been very well established for probably hundreds of years now that certain reactions certain facial movements what direction your eyes look in when you tell a lie that 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 lying is manifestly observable if you're looking for the right things um but i would argue again only if you know what they look like when they're telling the truth you have to be able to compare you can't just have a, a five or ten second clip of an old movie and and measure that and and say yeah they're telling the truth or they're not telling the truth well, no, because uh, there are with... certain things that are universal. Like, for for example, when we tell a lie, certain things happen in our brains. Um, certain reactions happen in our brains that create involuntary movements in our faces and in our eyes that we... we... Yeah, I accept that. I accept that. That are the same across all people. It, it's so So having a baseline is a bit kind of pointless there because we know it's going to be the same for every individual on the planet but that, that's fine if you can get the individual in a room and wire them up and measure their brain patterns but with just an old clip of film and a, a 10 second clip of that you can't tell from that no but that's what i'm saying those brain that brain activity creates these physical reactions that you hmm. can measure that can be observed yeah but um, there's a now, I don't know the technology that they used. Um, certainly, as far as I've got into watching it, they haven't gone into it in that much detail. Mm. But I imagine that that's what they're working on, is, you know, what directions does a person's eyes wear? When a person, for example, when a person's lying, they they tend to look to the left as they're talking. Hang on, have I got this right? Or is it the right? They, they look to one side anyway. I forget which, mm. because it is there is a massive amount of activity in the corresponding hemisphere of the brain that mm. is all to do with creativity. Yeah. So whether they, they, they look towards the side of their brain that's making something up or they look to the side of the brain that's accessing their genuine memory. Yeah, but what, but what that But what that can't rule out is that if someone is telling you something that they believe to be true, which is untrue. Well, this is where... You, I mean, this is a hell of a digression we're going yeah. on here. Um, but this is where we as actors, we are taught how to, basically how to make a characterization real. Hmm. Because, you know, we have to have those genuine emotions when we're portraying them. Otherwise, it looks false. And it unconsciously looks false to, to the general observer. You can tell when a bad actor is acting badly. Hmm. Because unconsciously we are picking up on those those micro expressions that say, "Well, that person's lying." 
Yeah. Or, or that it's a person who's they haven't learned their lines very well, or they haven't had time to learn them, and so they're having to access their their memory. Yeah. To 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 remember their lines, which but is that, a different kind of thing to be genuinely. Yeah, that, well, they're, well, they're supposedly expressing another emotion, like anger or sadness. They're actually saying, well, so what was it I was saying here again? Exactly, yes. exactly. They're not portraying that. And and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say. I think that that's one of the reasons, I mean, hopefully there's many reasons, but one of the reasons why people like listening to this is because you and I are genuinely passionate about what we're doing. (laughs) And that will come across in the recording, even audio only. Mm. You you can still, it's all this stuff that you instinctively know. And it's not us acting passionate, you know, we genuinely are passionate about it. Whereas you hear other podcasts, and I'm not going to name any at all, um, but you can hear it where they're, they're kind of pretending to be passionate about stuff, and you know hmm. you, their heart's not in it. And we're, we're, we're the real thing, listeners. We we're, are we're, the we're real really deal. kidding on each other. We've now, <laughs> I, I know, I know, we've we digressed a lot, but I have something else to say about the wreckage. Oh my! And there's goodness. one bit where, where where Major Jesse Marcel says that this this wreckage was was basically indestructible. That if you hit it with a sledgehammer, the sledgehammer would just bounce off. It's so, wait a minute, bullshit! I've just I've just seen you scrunch up a piece of that wreckage in your fist like it was a candy wrapper, and then when you let go of it, you know, un- unraveled like a candy wrapper would. And but he's got the AI on his face, which goes ding, ding, ding. True, yes, it would. Bounce. No, it wouldn't. You've just squashed it up. And you know, th- th- this wreckage is problematic for me because he's saying it's indestructible, and yet we got a field that is littered. With debris, with so so many tiny fragments of this indestructible material that you can't even see what it was before it crashed. You know, it's just tiny fragments. Um, it obviously didn't break up in the air because, as we saw, these fragments are featherweight. Um, they would have drifted for miles. They wouldn't all be scattered in one field. And it obviously didn't break up on impact with the ground. Otherwise, there'd be a big smoking crater, which destroyed this indestructible craft. So what we got is a field full of all these fragments that look like, to me, I know this is only the recreation for the for the, for the the documentary rather than footage of the actual field. But what it looks like to me is exactly what the US Air Force says it was. It looks like a burst balloon. <laughs> <laughs> so if okay. you're trying to say it's not a burst balloon, then don't... Don't create a recreate an Im- a wreckage field that looks like a burst balloon. Okay, so I'm gonna. I'm, I can't <laughs> believe I'm going to ask you this question. You're mm. probably going to shout at me for asking it, but <laughs> you don't think that that was images of the actual wreckage, do you? No, but if that's what right. they think the wreckage looked like, then they're not doing themselves any favours because well, that 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 raises too many questions. Partly, I mean, there were no photographs that we are that we have access to taken hmm. of the foot of the wreckage. So, what they are going to do, and, and you know this as well as I do, when you do something like this, when a production company creates something like this, they they have it look as dramatic as possible. Mm. And yes, having lots of small pieces of wreckage spread out over a wide area, making sure that you can't identify what anything is, is is kind of is what they did. Mm. Now, I don't think for a single moment that that bears any resemblance to what it actually looked like. It might they might have absolutely nailed it for all I know, but I suspect not. It's it's a mm. dramatization. It, it's that, a dramatization, but it's not a way that helps their case. And and I'm going to say about the different types of 
wreckage as well. So you talked about the one piece that, yes, he was able to crumple it up in his hand. It was incredibly light. And as it released his hand, it went back to his original shape. Mm. Um, Again, they showed a look like a crumpled piece of foil Mm. um, for that. But that was one type of piece of wreckage. They also talked about I-beams as well that had the hieroglyphs Mm. on. That was a different type of wreckage. And we're possibly even talking about a third different piece of wreckage that they're talking about was pretty much indestructible. Um, It's not all the same piece of wreckage. That wasn't too clear. I I agree. They could Mm. have made that clearer. Mm. Absolutely. Um, But, yeah, it's not... Yeah, so what I'm saying is they haven't made their case very well, if that's the final verdict. Certainly not in episode one, anyway. If if you if you had an aeroplane crash hmm. and you took a piece of the hull and you said, Oh my god, like this has got like a really high uh melting point, th- this piece of material. And then someone else gets a piece of plastic off the dashboard and says, No, it hasn't look, and melts the plastic hmm. really easily. You know, any vehicle is going to be made up of multiple Mm. materials um so yeah that that's what i'm getting from that is some of it was this memory metal that Mm. that that reformed its own shape i mean you're you're saying like a but what what did you say it was like like a Uh, a candy wrapper for the benefit of our american (laughs) listeners yes a candy wrapper candy wrapper Mm. um i mean no i'm i'm seeing more like a piece of aluminium Aluminium. Um, aluminium. <laughs> aluminium for our American <laughs> listeners. Aluminium. Which apparently apparently is is nearer the nearer the, the correct description. I I have heard this said. Um but from, by me. Correct, but by you and, and <laughs> others. Um but yeah. anyway, I I like to call it annual aluminium. Um yeah. but yeah, uh, more like a kind of a sheet of that that, you know, if you were to twist it and change, it then reforms its original shape. Um, mm. Let's say the I-beams themselves are a very different type of material. Um, mm. But, yeah, I... Okay, so... <laughs> so you didn't <laughs> like the AI, you didn't like this idea. I mean, do you know what? As human beings, the concept that our lies might get picked up digitally... Mm. Is quite scary, isn't it? Um, if if you're a habitual liar, um, oh, although actually, you know, we we have um, prominent politicians in uh, in in, <laughs> yeah. in the UK and the USA who don't care that mm. their lies are picked up because the kind of people who pick up their lies are people who can't do anything about it. What like so the media what the, and the opposition? What 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 does Boris Johnson care what the Guardian says about whether he told the truth or whatever, or that what he said today is different from what he said yesterday? Uh, and let's um, face it, our current leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer, isn't picking him up on all these lies anyway. I mean, he's no. not out there in Parliament saying, "Fuck me, Boris, you are lying." He, why yeah. isn't he doing that anyway? That's a whole other. That's mm. oh, the, well, in fact, uh, one, one MP was was thrown out of the House of Commons for saying just that. Um, without without the F word, um, because that's, it's unparliamentary language. You can lie in Parliament, but if you call someone a liar, you're using unparliamentary <laughs> language. Sorry, you've you've got you've you've overstepped the line here. You you've got to go. Well, there was there was um, that oh, guy. His name suddenly escaped me. Um, when David Cameron was Prime Minister, and one of them called him Dodgy Dave, mm-hmm. which it was. I mean, David Cameron, dodgy as hell. Yeah. 
uh, you know, another schema. Uh, anyway, we, we're getting off the topic, but back Sorry. on to Roswell. Um, yeah. So aside from the AI, I mean, you, so, you know but, what I'm so talking about like- with that picking up, you know, we, we instinctively and unconsciously pick up these little micro expressions mm. that tell when people like, surely you've mm. looked to someone and you've just like, you can see them and you can tell just by, you get a good feeling they're lying. Um, yeah, but it's also the, the substance of what they're saying and how that compares with what I believe or know to be true. Have there uh, not been any instances where someone has been conveying something to you um, that you are very utterly neutral on and you've just got a feeling they're lying? Yes, yes. When they're telling – I've been in the army, remember, when you know, guys tell, <laughs> tell tall tales about their heroic exploits. Yeah, that's, I mean, in the army you used to say, oh, yeah, pull up a sandbag, swing the lamp, go on, <laughs> tell us all about how you – yeah, so the, the more heroic a person is making himself to be in his own tale, then then the, the more bullshit is. is <laughs> well, that I can I can understand, but I mean, I can think of times when with with ex partners, um, mm. I've instinctively known, for example, uh, when one one ex in particular sort of springs to mind, um, she was cheating on me, mm. and I instinctively knew it. There was nothing. I could have pointed to and said that because of that, I know she's cheating on me, but I instinctively knew she was. And and I was proven to have been, to be right. Mm. It's things like that, that basically this AI, as I understand it, which is limited for this specific AI, but, but Mm. in general, it is just applying the science to that gut instinct that we've always ascribed things to. I would argue that what actually what you're picking up, although the the, the, the whatever you're picking up is so so microscopic, you, you're almost not picking it up with your conscious mind, but something in your subconscious is telling you that it, this is different from their baseline. This isn't the you've established what their baseline is when they're te- when they're being honest, and you you've somehow picked up little signs that this time is different. This time. I'm not so sure. I think I think there are things that are universal because I've I've done it with people I've never met before. I just like you know, yeah, something about them. I mean, people I, I can meet someone instinctively and just not like them hmm. as soon as they open yeah, their mouth. Yeah, we all do that. Yeah, um, and yet or, here we are, or, years or later, as friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, or have it done to us as soon as you open your mouth. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I think there's there's something in that. Um, I'd be intrigued to hear what our listeners, you know, if our listeners, particularly those um, in America who are able to watch um, uh, Roswell, The Final Verdict, um, yeah, what, what opinion do they have about yeah. it? So I want your opinion on the AI... I want your opinion on the wreckage field, and I want your opinion on uh, Major Jesse Marcel's hat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I mean, I think yeah. that's that's a little harsh about that. <laughs> <laughs> Neil. Well, as a military man, you know, you, 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 I'm, I'm sure we do have some ex-military or maybe current military listeners. You know, they're, 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 they're going to react to that. You know, as you should a, see as an actor, though. Mm. I mean. 
As I know, but I think that that really stands out in, I mean, the the British Army, and increasingly you think the American Army, um, troops wear berets, and there's a correct way of wearing a beret. Mm. And um, in in the British Army, the big thing is about shrinking your beret, so it's a really nice nice. You, know, you watch look at look at a real soldier with these really neat sort of nicely folded over beret and then you look at someone in a tv program with his fucking helicopter landing pad <laughs> on his hat, head you know, you know and and squaddies react to that squaddies say bollocks there's no way that that go- they can see if an actor playing a soldier has had no military experience because you know they don't know how to they don't even know how to wear a uniform well or carry a weapon, or wear a hat. You know, that's, and yeah. It, but if it's, it's always... a, if it's a documentary recreation, I mean, mm. I don't know. I I give a lot of leeway. I've I've done these things I, I as an actor. I, I'm not criticising um, Marcus at all. Just his hat. Well, no, which I mean, is a wardrobe. It was <laughs> his job to no <laughs> provide his own <laughs> outfit. <anyway>. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, okay. Interesting, interesting. I, I, I liked what I saw of it. I'm, mm. sort of, I'm finding the time to plough through it slowly. Um, oh, the second episode is really interesting. It talks about the other crash. Okay, mm, I which can... I think was a more substantial wreckage, wasn't it? This was where was, you can actually see what the craft there's, had been and, before. And, and there's bodies. And this, and there's bodies. It's not just mm. some, a burst balloon in a field. Yeah, but they do <laughs> come in with the AI and say, "Oh, yes, well, that person was telling the truth." I thought you were going to come in with a whole different rant. I'll be honest, ah. um, a completely different rant, which which is that <laughs> what I was expecting was. Hang on, we thought we were going to be talking to the people who actually saw this stuff, but mm. actually, no, it's the person that they spoke to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which a lot of the time it was. <laughs> mm. But that's about how old you know this footage is, and that's the the best review. Yeah. It's the closest we can get to the actual people. Mm. Um, but the, yeah, it works on the audio uh, footage as well. One, I don't know if that's episode two or episode one. I don't think there it was, was an a episode radio one. Um, excerpt. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I, one other thing I'm going to pick up on that you said really earlier um, about the AI stuff. You said like you know it takes a few seconds of clip in mm. terms of no, no, the AI looks at the entire thing. Um, overall, uh, we're only seeing a few seconds because it's a documentary, and like mm. you know, to watch a half-hour interview in the middle of an hour-long documentary. But did they did they have half-hour interview? I mean, these are sort of yeah. fifty, sixty-year-old clips of film. Yeah, I mean, some of it would be, some of it would be ten minutes. Mm. It's, it's going to vary, but but what I'm saying okay. is, the AI will be looking at far more than just what we're seeing okay. on the screen. They they didn't make that clear, and they didn't help their case. If that was they did, they didn't. Um, but then, I don't know. A documentary that goes into like now for this, uh, we're we're taking we're looking at this much clip, and here's the exact moments when you know the the AI says, "Oh yes, on this point, it's they're really telling the truth." Mm. This this bit is because like, it's never going to be binary all the way through an entire interview. It's going to be like peaks and troughs, mm. um, and you know. So I don't know. I just I, I take that kind of thing as read anyway mm. by default. Um, but anyway, I think that pretty much wraps us up for this special episode looking back at uh, Roswell, <laughs> yes. The Final Verdict. 
Um, yeah, unexpected. We weren't planning on doing this, but uh, but there we go. Uh, I didn't realise how much I had to unload. And, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's fine. I mean, and it, and it is an interesting point, and and you raise some valid points. I mean, there's there's also another side to this. When a documentary like this comes out, that that is bringing it all into the public attention, you got to ask, why aren't they doing themselves any favours? Well, yeah, is this is this a, an attempt to actually discredit um, any or at any least stories about UFOs? Enough of a enough area, da- yeah. But that, that's what that's what I thought. This is a show purporting to to show that yes, there was a UFO crash at Roswell, but actually, it's it's an attempt to to ridicule the people who claim that there's a well, there's. A, I, d- I don't know if it goes that far. Um, I think it, it just leaves enough of a question hanging. But then calling it the final verdict, I mean, we're, we're not silly. We know that that's a marketing ploy. Hmm. Well, isn't it? well, the latest development in a long line of development is, <laughs> yeah. is yeah. less it, catchy. It, it sounds more dramatic <laughs> than our, 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 our verdict so far, or the, the or, latest verdict. Oh. Looking at the footage that's already been looked at. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And coming to um, the the same conclusion that we came to last time. Well, some of it they didn't. uh, Some, they they did pick up some lies. Again, that might be the second episode. No, the first episode, they picked up one lie that one guy said, this this, this went all the way up to the president. And they went, ding, ding, ding. No, he's lying. Yeah, that was interesting. That mm. was interesting. Mm. But anyway, do let us know what you think uh, about it, listeners, if you've if you've had a chance to watch it over in the US of A. Um, yeah, we, we want to know. We want to know what you think. Is it is it accurate, this AI? Is it questionable? Um, is the wreckage, you know, have we misunderstood it completely? Don't bother telling us about mm. his hat, for God's sake. Well, unless you really <laughs> want to. Unless you feel as strongly as me. <laughs> yeah. All, all those uh, ex-military or current listen- military listeners, yeah, this is, this is a big deal, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, does it, does no it detract refl- from the whole thing? Um, I mean, I'm more about yeah. the content. <laughs> anything but uh but yes does it detract do let us know you can let us know via the usual means uh we are on facebook we are on twitter uh we are on email aliens explored at gmail.com you can find us those other ways by just searching aliens explored links are in the descriptions as ever uh well gosh it's going to be a week later than we'd planned but do join us next time when we will hopefully unless neil wants to go off on another rant <laughs> uh be talking about the 1952 washington dc ufo you were ufo you've you're doing I it can't now even say All these, <laughs> how many 65 episodes <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even say UFO properly. Um, yes, the 1952 Washington, D.C. UFO event, uh, also known as the Big Flap. Uh, we're going to be talking about that next week. So in the meantime, keep watching those documentaries, ill-fitting hats or otherwise, and the skies. Take care for now. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.
Aliens Explored is a Fecal Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter or Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit us on aliensexplored.com.